Okay, this episode of The Flush Podcast is brought to you by Aluma Trailers, Waltons, Onyx Hunt, and by Nutrisource Pet Foods. Today I'm joined by three of our photojournalists and editors. These men follow us through fields, swamps, forests, mountains, through the air on sketchy plains, on water, big boats, little boats, on horseback, in wind, rain, snow, sleet, and heat, just so they can be in position to record a shot. As it happens, they are the real stars of every TV show we produce. Welcome to another episode of The Flush Podcast. I'm Travis Frank. I'm your host, Brandon Morton, as always, is our producer. Brandon, I just have to say that the addition of the button bar on the show is a huge hit with my kids. Shout out to my kids, Weston, Cash, and Lydia. They love the, the sound effects, so please add more whenever you want. Yes, go ahead. You're not mic'd up. Oh, sure, sure, sure. All right, all right. Well, anyway, um, I'm glad to say that my kids are now listening to this podcast, which has added pressure on me. I feel like now I have an audience that I really need to step up my game for. Um, Anyway, so today I'm joined by three of my coworkers, besides Brandon for once. I've got some other coworkers in here, which is exciting. We are going behind the scenes behind the camera, behind uh, the computer monitors, and we want to talk about how our shows come together. Probably just um, mostly an entertainment show for for listeners. The last couple weeks, we've been digging into some dog training topics, talking. We had a vet on the show. Uh, Those are episodes that we've gotten a lot of feedback. I know a lot of listeners were, were very interested and want more of that. So we will definitely keep that coming. Today, it's going to be lighthearted. There's going to be some stories from a couple decades of time spent in the field with uh, the, real, the real stars of the show. I think it goes in order. The, the cameramen are the stars of the show, then the dogs, then the hosts, <laughs> if I had to really rank them in order of how it goes. So we have Aaron Ochtenberg, Cowboy Troy, and Pete Herman Franzen. Cowboy Troy, um, who gave you that name? Uh, I was, was going to say Howdy. You know, just, uh, I think it was you in Montana. Sure. Or sure. George Lyle in Montana. One, one of you guys. And then it just kind of stuck. And yeah. now I'm uh, known as, as Cowboy Troy anytime I'm on the flush. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Aaron, let's start with you. How long have you been working at Ron Share Productions? Uh, I have been with the company for 19 years. 19 years. I want you to think about... Closing in on 20. I want you to think about all the places that you filmed with just the flush. We'll come back to you in a second. Pete? Yeah. How long have you been on this show and with this production Uh, company? Four plus years, but I've been on the flush for five seasons, just the way the calendar worked out. Gotcha. Troy, how many seasons have you been with us now? Uh, Two seasons. This is my second season. You and I have been... All over the country the last two years. You're kind of the a road warrior in the flush world. Because we have... Aaron, how many TV shows are we producing right now? Uh, Minnesota Bound, 
Due North, Destination Polaris, Made for the Outdoors, and of course, The Flush are all brand new content shows. And then we have uh, Rooster Tales, Backroads. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? Due North. Due North. Did I mention Due yeah, North? Yeah, we mentioned that. Oh, sorry. Mentioned Due North. So there's, there's a, a lot of Seven production shows. that's going on, but uh, the three of you right now are all editing a Flush episode. Troy and I, we were laughing yesterday because, and I actually wanted to pull the soundbite in here that you played for me, and we both just, we shook our heads and we laughed. But Dylan, uh, up on the mountain, 12,000 feet high, before we started- Before, yeah, before we started scaling it. Yes. Everything. He, uh, we're just, we're shooting, kind of just getting those moments where like, what's the game plan? Mm-hmm. And you ask him what the probability was of, of getting a, a ptarmigan that we were hunting in Colorado. And he's like, oh, hundred percent. And everybody was just like, why on earth would you say that? This is already going to be a, you know, kind of a rare sort of shoot and looking for this bird that nobody hunts for, save for 150 people in North America. Well, yeah, I mean, in that state, Jim Millencipher and, and Dylan Waller, they both figured there's probably a couple hundred people in Colorado that would okay. go after ptarmigan. Okay. Obviously, there's ptarmigan in different states. The the stronghold for white-tailed ptarmigan are in Colorado, so that's kind the of Rockies. Like the Rockies. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's a popular place to pursue them, but Alaska obviously has them. I, I don't know the numbers on it, but it's nowhere near what quail and pheasant and and grouse are down down in lower elevations just because of the extreme <clears throat> extreme nature of the hunt and how hard it is just to get there but what a curse man <laughs> what a curse we um we've discussed that show before we don't need to go into exact details people are going to be able to watch that episode but last season Troy um how many hunts did you film and where were you do you remember all of them last season is in the Season upcoming now? Yep, the one that we're, we're working now. So okay, last hunting season, for mm-hmm. people listening, uh, you know, it starts during the regular hunting season that everyone else is, is hunting September through, you know, February for the most part. Uh, but now we're heavy in the editing side. So the same people that are in the field filming are also our editors uh, in the edit bays right now, which is what you guys are all working on as we speak. So I did, I did three all with you. Yep. And the Montana grouse opener where it was, I guess I'd never been on a hunt quite like that because it was actually hot and, yeah. and we couldn't shoot during the middle of the day. Usually it's just kind of like go all day long, but uh, Montana. And then we went to Colorado and got snowed on a bunch in the Rockies. And then we had the tri-state hunt where we went to Western Minnesota, Iowa, and South, South Dakota. Dakota. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we knew going into the, um, the Colorado hunt that it was going to be challenging but you were like jacked for the challenge i was i was really excited but i, I got humbled real real quick and and you just you can't breathe it's like every i remember we were we we'd walk for you know gosh a couple hundred feet and climb and everything and then stop and breathe yes. and suck some air and then i'd like make you guys wait so i could get ahead of you and, and get some shots and then you know, have you guys go by me. And then by the time I caught back up, it was time to rest again and just looking for birds. But I mean, talk about, I mean, going through that, that show, I'm just, or the footage from that show that I'm currently editing right now is, is incredible. I mean, I just, the peaks and just some of that, 
some of the the visuals on that particular episode are not like anything I've shot for the flush before or edited for the flush before. Yeah, what what was the I'm guessing it's the elevation and the lack of oxygen was the biggest challenge there. Was there anything else, just like the topography or the snow? I mean, I remember it was so wet that I think that's that's the hard part with with the camera, right? Is yeah. like you it starts snowing and you want to protect the gear because if the gear fails, well then you don't have anything at all you can do. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yes, it was it was tough with the hiking. I think I I had a stripped down camera, just the basics, and uh, the elevation definitely took into account, but. When it started snowing and, you know, you're trying to keep that lens clean and you're also like, I, you'll wrap a, a garbage bag or a camera cover around it. And it just becomes incredibly difficult to try to, you know, find your buttons and find all your adjustments. And, you know, you're, it's, it's another level of just like, okay, the flush is already a hard show to shoot. You don't know what's going to happen or when you just got to have to go with it. And at the same time, in the back of your head, remember to get all your cutaways and get all your scenic shots and get all the shots of the dogs and, you know, get shots of feet and close-ups and guns and, and all of that. But then when you can't just kind of seamlessly go into it and get into autopilot and just adjust the camera and, you know, make those changes on the fly like you normally can, it's just, you know, the snow was definitely, definitely probably the worst part. Yeah. Um, I think what we, we should do to, before we get into a lot more stories about our adventures, I think we should kind of go back just a little bit and um, get a little bit more information about each one of you. Because a lot of times when I've got guests on the show, we talk about, you know, like, how did it start for you? How Do you remember your first time hunting and things like that? And people can really remember those types of things. So <clears throat> I think we can ask the same question for you. Aaron, do you remember the first time that you ever picked up a camera to film something and why did you do it? The first time I ever picked up a camera to film anything? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean like <laughs> how many times do we ask, how, do you remember your first wow. flush of a wild pheasant um, or, you know, like what got you into this line of work? And I'll ask Pete and try the same question. That's uh, kind of a long story. Believe it or not. When I started college, I was going to be a math teacher. Really? Yeah. And that didn't work out so well. <laughs> Did you not know math I, very well? No, I was, I was really good at math until I ran into calculus as a freshman. And then I shifted gears from there. So, uh, But I was doing pretty good in English. So I was like, well, journalism. I'll try journalism. And then through journalism, um, I got into TV journalism and then camera. And the first thing I ever shot, I was uh, like a, well super sophomore, I guess you'd call it <laughs> third or fourth <laughs> yeah, year. Something yeah. like that. Um, I had to shoot my first video assignment ever was to shoot a music video. So I made a music video for, awesome. um, uh, what song? Uh, it was Van Halen, the ice cream man. If you know that song, <laughs> great, great song, fun to make a music video for. So that was the Did first you thing. Dress up? No, I was, I was not in it. Oh, sure. Yeah. That makes I had sense. a friend who was the ice cream man. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but uh so that was the very first thing i ever like i mean other than home video stuff the first thing i ever shot and edited and here i am i don't know 25 years later well you went to news out of yeah, school right yep yep so i completed my degree i uh uh, had a professor who kind of guided me toward television news. So I worked in that for four or five years, which is a great training ground because you're shooting and editing every single day. So to do that for four or five years, you can just imagine the repetition of and all the different scenarios. So it's great practice for 
this kind of work because this is very unpredictable. News is very unpredictable. So to shoot in all kinds of weather, all kinds of lighting conditions, uh, when you're feeling good, when you're feeling not good, when it just all that stuff. So yeah. Do you have any memorable news moments that really stand out in your career before you got here? Um, geez, I don't know. It's so long ago. I mean, getting out was pretty memorable. <laughs> getting out of news? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Was it, was it depressing? News? I mean, it was, it, it could be depressing at times. It was, uh, you know, the comparing news to this, right? When, when we're filming for the flush or we're filming for Minnesota bound, we're seeing people like on their best day, like yeah. what they love to do the most in the world. When we're filming for news, you're seeing everybody a lot of times on their worst day. Yeah. So when you show up in the flush, Minnesota bound, people are like excited. Yes. Glad you're here. We're going to go <laughs> have some fun. When you show up at news, people are like, Oh, not you guys. Yeah. Gonna talk so, to you don't put a camera in my yeah, eyes. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in news, I was filming a guy getting arrested and he looked right at me and said, I'm going to effing kill you. <laughs> Jeez. You're like, just keep rolling. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Just keep rolling. Well, yeah. so Pete um, was telling me some stories yesterday that it's funny because, you know, we've worked together for how many years and they still hear you tell stories that I'm like, oh my gosh. So you also came from news, but I'll, did, yeah. I'll ask you the same question I asked Aaron. Do you mm -hmm. remember the first time you filmed something that meant more than, <clears throat> you know, like it was a purpose behind it and why did you film it? Um... I mean, I'm having a hard time recalling something like that. I was, I, I tell everybody I was very lucky. I had a, a high school that had a TV studio. So I did football games. We did basketball games. That's fun. Yeah, it was. And so, you know, it was the big cameras. We set them up in the stands and, you know, it wasn't just, you know, some little handheld camera. So I got lucky in the fact that I had a start on it. And so it was one of the paths that I decided. I was like, oh, this might be an interesting way to go. Um, I did a year at SIU, Southern Illinois University. Got involved with the student-run TV station there. Um, did some really stupid college movies. <laughs> um, just, you know, really just bonkers stuff. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, took a little break from school. Moved to Duluth, Minnesota. Eventually got back into stuff. And uh, started work at KDLH uh, in Duluth, in Duluth, mm -hmm. in Minnesota. And then, um, you know, 18 years later, I was still doing news, but I had moved on to Madison, Wisconsin, and then eventually Portland, Oregon. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, and that's where the the stories really took a turn. That is really where. I mean, we, I was at the same station for 12 years. Uh -huh. So, uh, and as Aaron said, I mean, it's just you do show up. Uh, mostly, it's people's bad, worst days. And they are not happy you're around. And uh, so, yeah, so I've had a few interesting encounters while being a news photographer. Care to share any of those? Uh, I mean, there's you get the typical. I've had a lot of protest coverage. Uh, you get pushed around, stuff like that. There's uh, just, uh, um, yeah, a guy thought it would be, he saw us live uh, outside a courthouse at 5, uh, decided to show up around 6, and thought he would try to do a suicide by cop on live. And we were able to stop him from doing that. Oh, but it was a little nerve wracking uh, because it happened right before our shot. And then 30 seconds after it kind of ended, we were live. So, and with no mention of what was going on the whole time. 
So and he, he had a knife. He had a knife. He had pulled out a knife. He said, "You want to watch this?" And went walking towards a couple deputies who didn't see him because uh, their backs were turned. They were having a conversation, and I was uh, at first didn't you know? It's just like what you know? It was one of those big knives uh, that's in your butcher block. So he started walking towards them, and I realized what he was about to possibly do. So uh, I was able to get their attention, and and they de-escalated the situation. But were you the one that yelled something? Yeah, them? yeah, I was the one. You got turn around, turn around, watch out, watch out uh, behind you, and yeah, and they turned around, and and uh, guns were drawn, but they were able to de-escalate. So wow, yeah. So you, yeah, you also. Uh, had a physical assault on on yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was uh, a live truck operator. A guy uh, was uh, drunk and and uh, decided to urinate on my live van, and then I had confronted him about it. Said, "What are you doing?" And next thing I knew, I got punched. So, and then chased down the street. Um, but luckily, some bystanders. Troy's like, I don't think Troy's ever. I'm just, heard I'm just this. listening to this, realizing that my career has been very happy. And- <laughs> Full of good times, and uh, you weren't, yeah, because we I were never in worked the, in there. So yeah. we were in the break room yesterday, and and he's telling me these stories, and I'm like, Pete, my goodness! So this, yeah, this guy did time. Yeah, for he did it four months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. My I mean, the, I don't want to tell everybody news is all horrible. It's not. Um, I used to love shooting high school football games and uh, doing stuff like that. And there are times. Uh, in fact, the last year and a half of my career. Uh, in news, I was on a team that did special reports, so it was a lot, a lot calmer. Yeah, more of not. It's not like it's a staged area, but it's less drama. Less drama and less likelihood of running into people that did not like you. Yeah. Well, we're we're glad that you're on our team now, and you don't have to worry about any of that. But I will. There's a so we asked uh, on our social media pages yesterday if anybody had questions for you guys, and so I have a whole list. We're not going to get to. I don't think we'll get to all of them, but uh, one of them is, well, I'll just hold it because Troy, uh, what's, what's your story? How did you get here? What did you start filming and why? Uh, I made a, well, let's see. It was, it was kind of my senior prank, but I ended up editing this South Park esque stick death kind of animation <laughs> video about my high school. And I, it kind of was like, I, I released it on all the school's computers when it was done and it kind of just made fun of the school and sort of went like viral in the school. And then did you, how much trouble did you get in? Oh, slap on the wrist. I mean, once they realized that I didn't have enough time to make a apology video, uh, they were just like, no, okay. They made, I think I ended up having to draw a comic book to like apologize and like explain why things were the way they were. But that's, that's neither here nor there. I just, I loved doing it. I loved kind of the manipulation of the, the video and the audio and all that. And so I went to art school and after that I went and did corporate communications and training at a giant satellite company and then left and did house hunters for a little bit and some freelance work and gosh, just a lot of stuff. I worked for the abs for a while. Actually I was thinking that was three years, three years ago today. I was still working for my favorite hockey team. And who probably will get bounced early in the playoffs. I, saying, I, Minnesota I, didn't, Wild. I didn't say the 2022 Stanley cup champion, Colorado avalanche, but now I will. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I eventually, I, I left that to pursue more freelance stuff. And, um, actually Aaron and I have a, a mutual friend 
uh, Andy McDonald, who I had w- worked for a lot. Uh, he's in Denver and was just a great mentor for me. I'd known him for a long time. And, uh, he calls me up one day and he's like, Hey, there's, there's this company in Minnesota and, and they're kind of looking for a guy just like you. And, and so I, you know, that was summertime and, you know, it, it took a little while, but then I, uh, end up moving out here January 2nd of 2020. And best time to move to Minnesota. Right. It was, it was a pr- I mean, I, I had no, I like it was I, the first morning I woke up, it was negative 10 degrees. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> and you like to wear flip-flops every day. I so do. that doesn't work well. I do. Well, in, in Denver, it's just like, you know, uh, we, we have like one cold snap a year where it's, you know, in the single digits for a couple of days and that's about it, yeah. you know? And so I was, it was different for sure. And the snow sticks around and it just, you know, gets piled up here. And, um, but no, I actually, I never, never would have thought I'd be chasing you guys through a pheasant field. I'm not a hunter. I, I didn't have any previous experience with it. So, yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of crazy, but you know, when that bird flushes and when you kind of get the perfect shot, it's, that's, I mean, that's why we do what we do. Right. Yeah. And you, when you look in the viewfinder and you just know that, Oh, this is gold and you know you hit it and you knew you hit focus and you're exposed, right? And just everything's just kind of perfect about it. It's it's a really good feeling. Yeah. Um, Aaron, so 19 years, do you remember your first flush hunt, which back then would have been pheasants forever television? Mm, I don't I don't think I can recall my very first one, just because even before um even before we were filming Pheasants Forever Television, we filmed Pheasants Hunts for Minnesota, Minnesota Bound. Bound. Sure. So I can't remember, but I, you know, I was lucky enough to grow up pheasant hunting, bird hunting in Southwest North Dakota. So it wasn't uh, as much of a trial by fire as maybe for Pete and Troy, who mm-hmm. their first hunting experience was, was trying to document it. Yeah. Pete, so Pete, we hired you in the winter and your first shoot was in Arizona. Yeah. Three weeks after I started. Yeah. And I went with Ron. <laughs> it's so, memorable because you you bring it up a lot like well what? yeah i mean well for one you're you, you come to a company and it's called ron shara productions and then three weeks later you're going out with ron shara you know so doing something as aaron said I, I have never hunted um i and we're going for something called gambled quail i'm like i don't know what this thing even looks like <laughs> what you know and, yeah. and i've got to try to 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 document this thing and so reminds me yeah. of the scene from wedding crashers where he's like i don't even know what the bleep a quail is <laughs> yeah. you know what they go out to anyway so yeah so yeah it was just uh what i found out is that sucker's quite a rocket bird when it takes <laughs> off uh so yeah trying to trying to see it and then even then our you know um i, I came from news so i you know ron still to this day gives me gives me gruff about this because uh we get out of the car first morning of the hunt and I'm grabbing all my gear and I throw the tripod over my shoulder <laughs> and he's like, where do you think you're going with that? <laughs> I'm like, well, we're going out. And he's, I'm like, so I'm bringing everything. He's like, no, you, you don't need that, that no, you're not going to. And so I'm so well, glad the I listened to tripod is how much, how much does the tripod weigh? Well, especially the one for the flush. It's not a light tripod. Yeah. I, it depends I, on the tripod five to 15 pounds pounds and the camera itself weighs about 20 pounds yeah uh then you throw in batteries into a backpack and extra gear yeah you're hauling some weight 
so you, we wear vests when we're hunting and we put shells in it, stuff for the dogs. You guys have on average, I mean, it's, I was going to ask you, the biggest, I mean, there's a lot of changes in our equipment now from where yeah, you started sure. almost 20 years ago. I mean, what, what did you used to take into the field with you? Uh, well, it's always been a camera and a backpack. Uh, it's just the cameras have gotten lighter. The batteries can be lighter sometimes and more reliable. I mean, and used to have a, a backpack full of tapes as well. Yeah. I remember <laughs> so, when I started, everything was on tapes. Yeah. You'd have to have, you know, extra tapes. Now it's just little media cards. So it went tapes, then discs then discs. Now media cards, now media yeah. cards, yeah. micro SD cards, and you yeah. can record everything on that. Our friends at Waltons are celebrating this month because they just launched an updated website to make shopping for all of your wild game and food processing needs so much easier. And to celebrate, they're giving away a Waltons chambered vacuum sealer, an assortment of Waltons vacuum bags, an apron, and a collection of seasoning shakers, all valued at over $1,300. The best part? They have giveaways like this each and every month. This is just one of the many ways Jonathan Tremblay and the family at Waltons try to help you make the most of your meat processing and cooking needs. They also host podcasts, live streams, and online chats in their Meatgistics University. Waltons.com has over 5,000 items on their site in stock and ready to ship the same day. From grinders, mixers, stuffers, slicers, smokers, vacuum sealers, seasonings, and so much more. Head to Waltons.com to sign up for their giveaway and shop from the comfort of your home or anywhere in the field. Waltons, they have everything but the meat. Aluma Trailers, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say Aluma Trailers tow gear like a dream, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumakln.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. For everything that gets you outdoors, Aluma Trailers will help you get there. Aaron, in 20 years, we're just rounding up to 20, and it's been a while. What's your most memorable flush hunt? Oh, man. Uh... Uh, chucker hunting in Idaho is up there. I don't know if I have a Hell's specific, Canyon? yeah, Hell's Canyon chucker hunting just because it was, uh, the most extreme thing we had done to that point. Um, so start, start, you take a boat, start at the, at the water level, and then it's just up until you find the birds. And mm -hmm. we, we only did it for one day, but it was one of the hardest hunts I've ever done, you know, just side hilling. You know, your feet get tired from side hilling, tripping over rocks, trying not to trip and fall down the side of the mountain. Yeah. And then just, uh, you know, wild birds, unpredictable birds. That was, but uh, amazing scenery. So that was up there. Mm -hmm. That's still one of my favorite episodes that you've ever produced, yeah, that you've was... ever put together. I mean, just the, the beauty of it. And I think from the, from Pheasants Forever, you know, they get a lot of feedback from our shows because we're partners with them. That's still what they would say is the, the most feedback they've ever gotten on an episode. At least the, a couple of years ago um, when I asked Bob about it, he's like, yeah, that Hell's Canyon one, man, it just touched a nerve with a lot of people. Well, we uh, it, it was the same time we kind of shifted the focus of the show a little bit. It used to be called Pheasants Forever mm -hmm. Television. We decided to change it 
change the name to the flush and then change it to more adventure. adventure. And so to go from kind of a variety show and talking about habitat and habitat tips and gun cleaning tips and walking through scenic fields in South Dakota with dozens of birds flying up to go from that to extreme hunting, which very few people chucker hunt, mm-hmm. wild chuckers. A lot of people hunt uh, chuckers in game farms, but to go chase wild chuckers, it it was a big shift in the show. Yeah, so. for sure. And I, I feel like that, you know, that change has really um, put a lot of stress on the production team. Honestly, yeah. because how many challenging moments are there in a field where you're in South Dakota and it's, you know, flat and you've got great vantage points and you've got people posting and mm-hmm. you know there's going to be birds coming out at the end so you can yep. wait for them. And it's yep. still wild birds, you know, or <clears throat> whatever it might have been back then, but um, dozens and dozens of them were here. You might only have like one or two flushes a day day you know like troy think about we're chasing ptarmigan and like i know dylan claimed it was 100 percent, but we knew quickly that our chances were going to be slim and you like what kind of pressure do you put on yourself carrying that camera i'll start with you troy well i i think that at the beginning of the shoot you're just kind of playing very conservatively as far as shooting goes you know you, you just want to make sure that you're always in the right spot and that's what aaron taught me actually it was just you know hey you know at the beginning like kind of hang around the hunters you don't need those cutaways yet you don't need some of those extra shots to fill out the show but you know you might get one one rooster the entire you know trip and that's what happened in uh bill and i were actually in hendrix minnesota and we we arrived uh and did excuse me some uh some evening hunting and we got we got one rooster i think we saw one more and then the next two and a half days, it was nothing but hens, you know? And so like, fortunately we got that, that one shot on, on camera, but you know, if you don't get that, then well, you don't get that shot. There's, it's not there. You know, you can't just say like, Oh no, we got one. And then you kind of, you know, yeah. no, you want to see that shot. That's what, that's what you're there for. So that's the most, that was the biggest pressure thing. You know, we have like little tricks and we, we cash record so that we can, you know, kind of go back a few seconds and, and, not necessarily uh, miss everything, but that right there is, you know, you have this moment that might happen once yeah. over three days. Aaron, and explain cash, what that is on the camera and what that saves us. It's, it's hard to explain a little bit, but it is, um, it, there's a, it's like, I don't know how you say it. The camera is always kind of recording and recycling mm-hmm. what you're doing. So you still have to have the camera pointed in the general direction. But say a a pheasant flushes in front of you, you can hit the record button and it will jump back in time five to seven seconds. So you get that bird coming out of the grass. So it it saves you from having to just record constantly all day. When we were shooting on tape, we would just roll, 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 (laughs) roll, roll. So you didn't miss that moment. Now the computer and the camera can continuously roll without chewing up media and then you hit the button, it goes back in time. But that that still puts pressure on you because you got to be, you know, kind of level on your horizon line. You got to be pointed in the right direction. You got to have a close focus, close on iris or exposure. So it 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 still it just saves you media, but it's still the pressure is there. Yeah, Ron told me something one of the first days I ever worked here, and when we went out on a shoot, or I don't remember where it was, but it stuck 
with me and still does to this day. If the camera doesn't see it, it never happened. Yep. You know, and so that's the pressure that are, we're always under when we go out into the field and that you guys are under. And, and as a producer and, and, you know, trying, my job is always to try to help you guys when I'm out there. And uh, the microphones tell, you know, like you could be 100, 200 yards away and you're monitoring our audio while you're recording. But it also allows us to say like, hey, Aaron, a dog went on point in front of me or Pete, um, you know, this dog's looking birdie. And we tell the people that we're filming with the same things. If you see something, say something because you're trying, we're trying to make sure that we can capture it because we tell, I tell everybody before it starts, if the camera doesn't see it, it doesn't happen. So it doesn't matter if you made the best shot ever, or you go running through or something awesome happens. If you turn around and the camera's not around, it's not going to be in the TV show because TV is different than print. I can write a story and explain it in words, but on the camera side of it, we have to see it. And that's, Oh gosh, that's always the biggest challenge. I think people commonly ask, and it was asked in this, um, in these questions too, how much video do you guys come back with for a standard shoot? Uh, it really, I think part of it depends on a, how many birds came up and flushed. Um, because obviously if you guys hit your limit, Mm -hmm. well, that's it for the day. But, uh, I've only run into that once, so <laughs> it's not it's not yeah. very often. I've only run into that once, yeah. and I've been doing it for almost so, twenty years. Uh, really? Yeah, we almost never get limits. Yeah, I remember even back that, in the glory days, Aaron. Yeah, it's just hard. It's hard to get limits. It yeah. just doesn't often, especially with a camera, because you're you're hunting a little bit different. You're not just going everywhere. We're keeping people closer together. Mm-hmm. So I, I it may have happened more than one. Well, South Dakota ranches we've gotten our limit but i mean like like public land wild bird that mm-hmm. kind of situation i remember in nebraska one time we got a limit and it was we made like we had bill who was the host of that show just like sitting in the park on a swing i remember that reading a newspaper because <laughs> like what do we do yeah. like well, i don't know what to do with myself we're done for the day so that was kind of fun yeah. Troy, you and I, uh, our first hunt this year, spoiler alert, was really, really good. <clears throat> and we could have shot multiple limits on that. But I specifically in the field, like if, if you're over, you know, the, at that day in Montana, there was four of us. And I remember, you know, dogs are over here. Dog was on point and the, uh, uh, Simon and Ben or whatever it might have been. They were taking shots. I had birds getting up under my feet that well, nobody will ever see. I never pulled the trigger because I look over and the camera's pointed that way. I'm like, I constantly do that when I'm out there in the field too, because I'm there for the show. I mean, we're there to document the hunt, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you could just go boom, boom, boom. And oh, I'm done. Now what are we going to do? You know? So mm-hmm. you can't put yourself in, in a tough spot. Um, I remember that the, the beginning of the season, that was the first shoot of the season too. So you go through these long lulls where you mm-hmm. don't shoot this, this particular show and you kind of have to get back into it a little bit that first, that first walk. And I remember we were just a little bit discoordinated because there was another time where I was right over your shoulder and you didn't shoot at a, a bird that got up because you, you thought I was pointed somewhere else and everything. And I was just like, dude, what do you, like, that was, I was, I was in the perfect position. And that's like yeah. the most frustrating thing is when, yeah. you know, you have the perfect shot and then, you know, the hunter either misses or doesn't take a shot or something else happens. You know, I have a, you know, that was my first shoot with Ron was in 
South Dakota and it was over Thanksgiving weekend, I remember. And I had this beautiful shot lined up with just, I mean, the scene was perfect. He was just kind of on this hill and, and this bird comes right across my frame and I'm in slow motion and it's just, it's beautiful. And then he misses and I'm like, it's going to, that's going to end an act. And then we're not going to know if, if he hit that bird or not, but yeah. Well, I think though, honestly, uh, from the entertainment side of it, I mean, several people again asked about the shooting, who's the worst shot, you know, things like that. But like that, that's real, you know? So I'm always okay if, yeah, that's fine. Film me missing, film us missing. You got the shot. You did your job. Well, I know, but it's just, it's, it's so much better when, you know, the shot, it, it, comes to completion, right? There's, there's there's like this finish Mm -hmm. to it. You know, you see the bird get blown out of the sky and that's kind of, I mean, that's, wow, Troy. I'm sorry. That's, that's (laughs) sure. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing is that's where I, I, you know, if I can get that tight close up of the, you know, the BBs going through the bird, like that's kind of, Okay, so I let's, let's. I don't mind misses sometimes because then yeah. I get more video of the bird flying. I like when it's yeah. okay. up and down yeah. in one point so five fast. one point five seconds. Then you're not getting much video, so I don't mind a miss here and there, so you can actually see a bird Just flying escaping. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did we ask Pete your most memorable moment? Did I ask all three of you that yet? No, um, most memorable. I mean, um, is. Uh, is falling down just one of those? I mean, it's just my last shoot with Scott. Yeah, <laughs> there, you go. there it is. Yeah, no, it was yeah. it was a doozy. I was running to catch up to them, and corn got a hold of my foot, and I went down just bam, and camera kind of explodes. I mean, I hit the ground, and I'm like, uh oh, what are all these pieces? And yeah, it turned out it was just the microphone and the viewfinder popping off. But yeah, that was. Uh, a roll of electrical <laughs> tape goes in every bag Gaffer, the field yeah. because we have patched things back together. Oh, my goodness. I feel like that's something we're always maybe cursed with, Aaron. Is that the right word? Oh, I don't know. We're hard on stuff because it's a, it's a conditions in the field are tough. I yeah. mean, rain, snow, wind, and then just trying to walk. I mean, I'm sure every hunter has hit the ground a few times while out hunting, and sometimes we're – you know, one eye closed looking in a viewfinder while moving and you just, you just hit the deck. This is not any of you, but, um, I'm going to guess 15 years ago, one of our guys in Iowa disappeared. <laughs> literally was walking behind a hunter filming. <laughs> he dropped into a hole. It stepped right into it and he was gone. It was over his head. And so then they had to help him back out. But could you imagine? I mean, that's got to be going through your mind a little bit too. Your focus is on us and everything happening yeah. and you're putting yourself at a lot of risk out there. Yeah, no, yeah you are. I mean, I've... Uh, at least every season I, I find some sort of hole and I'm about knee deep into it all of a sudden. It just, yeah. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> yes. Just like yes. It just hops out of nowhere. The best part is when you're recording and you get to see that <laughs> moment later, yes. you know. And, or and, hear it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> come on. I think I have one from Montana where I was chasing you guys at like sunset at the very end. We were just looking for one more, I forget what bird actually, and and. Daisy went on point or Daisy got, got real birdie and you guys started running. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I'm just watching the clip and I'm running after you. Cause I'm just going to record and see what we get. And then Talk you and just roll. see, you just see the camera start to fall and <laughs> roll around. And then you just hear me. Like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> got him real fast and chased after you. Like, all right. It could have been worse. First listener question. 
Bernie asks, have you ever been in a position where you said to yourself, dang, I could have been shot? Uh, well, I, yes, I've, I've been, I don't know that I've been hit by BBs, but I've heard them fall around me. Mm-hmm. Like posting by vehicle, I've heard them hit the vehicle. Yep. Um, I've heard them come through the grass around me. So I'm sure I've been, you know, they were falling, so they weren't high velocity, but yes. And they also, gonna, they weren't going to do any damage. They weren't going to do any skin. damage, yeah. but they've fallen around me. There are times, um, with safe hunters where I've seen the gun come across and they've held their shot where the it's passed by me. Yeah. Um, and I've also been with guys who uh, you can tell they're not safe carrying their gun where you're behind them and it's straight over the shoulder back at you or down by their side swinging around. And I, yes. um, you know, we talk to those guys and I also avoid them. I just stay away from them, but we've had, we, I know, We've had to ask people to not join the hunt for the second half of the day because they're just not safe. So, yes, many times. Mm-hmm. I know recently, uh, especially this past season, uh, it was definitely like brought up before, you know, yep. just asking hunters, hey, just make sure you're not doing, carrying it that way. Uh, carry it, you know, safely. Uh, make sure your lock is on, stuff like that, or your safety. So um, I know lately it's been more of a... Yeah, so I haven't really felt. I mean, I've only I've done five seasons, and I so I haven't really felt like I was in a position where I might get shot. But. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Try, have you? No, I, if I have, then I I didn't know about it. So ignorance is bliss. Well, <clears throat> I've been in a couple of those situations, like you talked about, Aaron, and I've had to stop. You know, timeout, guys. This is where you know I I remember one hunt that I stopped twice. And I said. I can't put anybody else in harm's way. And if we can't do this safely, we're going to stop right now. We're going to end this right now. A gun did go off one time, been on two different shoots where a gun accidentally, you know, while somebody's not intending to shoot it, gun went off. Jeez. And that is like, in my mind, cannot ever happen. Not for us, not for if they're out on a Saturday morning walk with their, you know, like, I'm just, I'm constantly amazed at some of the gun handling that I see because growing up I was always taught you know that gun is never to be pointed anywhere near somebody and I see it all the time and I I do know um, you know we're under heavy scrutiny about you know a, a direction of a, a gun point or a shot that's fired and sometimes we'll get feedback from listener or from viewers and they'll say I wasn't a safe shot and a lot of times the angle of the camera makes yeah. it look different than it actually was. But, um, you know, we get asked a lot to do, you know, youth hunts, uh, you know, these, these bigger events where there's a lot of people and to be, to be completely honest, a lot of times we don't do those because, you know, we don't, If there's a lot of people, a lot of guns going off, and it's a lot of people put in a position that they don't necessarily want to be in, you guys are doing your job at the end of the day. You know, like it's a fun place to be. You know, Troy, you're not a hunter. You're out there busting your butt doing your job. I I, I don't ever want you to feel unsafe. I always joke with the hunters when they're they're asking me about that. I like, well, I go hunting. I'm just, I'm hunting for you guys. I have a different weapon. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a camera, but I just, I still same kind of thing where I'm trying to get that, that perfect shot. Yeah. I'm hunting for <laughs> shots. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and no, just, you're right. It is. It's, it's, you know, we don't, I get, it's not a, uh, 
knock against anything. I just, I, I never grew up in that kind of world. I never really had that interest, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, to what you were saying, like, no, it's, it's, you go, the more people you go with, the the higher chance that there's going to be somebody that's not safe and the higher probability, you know, that an incident could occur. But yeah, I mean, like I was saying, I've never experienced that personally. I've only, again, been doing it for two seasons and everybody that I've, uh, either, either produced the show or, or shot with is, is always kind of put that safety above everything else. Good. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where I know personally I've been called out too for like trying to run up to a spot, you know, so I have my gun up in the air and then like whatever the, like I remember in Arizona, I think it was a gambled quail. We're just running. And so Patrick, the guy we're with, he's like, dude, these quail are going to be 300 yards in front of that dog in once in like one minute, like you got to get up there. So he's running and you know, like all of a sudden you're in the moment with them, you know, you're doing it too. And you know, in my mind the whole time I'm like guns up here, you know, like protecting that at all costs, but I've still gotten uh, feedback from viewers about that. I, I just think that, you know, I'm always watching for it. And that goes for when I'm not working too. I've just, it was drilled into my mind, into my brain growing up. I've done it with my kids. The same thing when they started with uh, fake guns and then now BB guns and then shotguns that they're, they're shooting. It is number one everywhere. And I'm amazed that gun safety is taken so lightly and accidents are so, um, it's so close. You know, we've been in those situations before. We're so close. So that's, but Bernie, that, uh, that is a pretty good question, and it's a, just a good reminder for everybody, not yep. just for us. Um, do you generally use just one cameraman per episode? Yeah, that's, uh, that was one of the surprises I'll say when I got here was that this show is shot with one photographer for the most part. And yeah, I would means, say 95% of the yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty rare that there's – I've not been on a, on a flush yet with another photographer, so um, which means that we're operating that – camera to do the flush but then we're also at times pulling out a drone and operating that mm-hmm. as well so the onyx hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that i take into the field every day i talk about the onyx hunt app every week that's simply because i use it on every hunt seriously every hunt their app tells me everything that i need to know about the land that i want to hunt and the lands that we can all legally hunt on If you've used it yourself, then you know that the Onyx app shows your location on planet Earth and clearly lays out the land boundaries. It also tells you information about the type of property you're on, like state-owned land, federal lands, and walk-in access properties. It's ideal for scouting before the hunt and during a hunt to help put together patterns. The app also has helpful features that show you the kind of crops that are in the fields, which obviously is a big deal for us upland bird hunters. These are just a few of the many tools Onyx Maps give you, and these maps can even be used in areas without cell coverage. From the palm of your hand, Onyx Maps always help you to know where you stand. Nutrisource Pet Foods just launched a new product that can give our active hunting dogs a big boost when they need it most. It's called Kombucha. Nutrisource Kombucha, inspired, of course, by kombucha, is a savory, meaty bone broth topper that's packed with activated postbiotics from a fermentation product that thrives in the gut to promote a healthy gut ecosystem for digestion support. That's a mouthful. But what it means for us bird dog owners is that we now have a healthy topper to pour over our dog's food if they're ever stressed or won't eat while on a long hunting trip. Kampucha is offered in three flavors, turkey, beef, and chicken, and comes in a 12-ounce pouch. Nutrisource high-performance dog foods provide 
exceptional healthy nutrition for active dogs of every breed, just like my dog, Daisy. Now they have a topper that gives our four-legged hunters another edge when they need it the most. Check out their full lineup of dog foods at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. Here's the next question. Do you have a plan in your head or pre-filming meeting of how you hope things will go to make a story for that particular episode you're filming? Um, Yeah, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, in this show in particular, not all of our TV shows, but in this show... There's always a host with, you know, and the host acts as the producer. And so I feel like when we go on the field, you know, we're driving to a location most of the time or flying. We've got time to kind of like, here's how I envision things going. Here's our plan for the days that we're going to be there. And um, beyond that, though, these are wild birds and weather is unpredictable. And what you guys have grown up or not grown up doing, but have almost been trained through news and you know, your backgrounds is you document what's happening, you know? So we, we can pre-plan all we want. We do things like we're going to mic up this guy. He's going to be kind of the ringleader of the group and you know, his dogs are who we're going to talk about and things like that. And we move microphones around and things like that. But beyond that, you kind of have to let it, happen as it's happening what's going through your mind when you're in the field when we start the hunt well i mean for me it's so funny because in my normal life i like structure but then you go on these shoots and that goes out the window (laughs) (laughs) um so because you just you have to be able to pivot and just do whatever's gonna happen so i mean yeah when i first start kind of troy brought it up i mean you're looking let's get these shots uh you know i'm not gonna worry about uh, what we call cutaways, which is the shots of like other people walking or tight or, you know, I mean, I'm going to grab, yeah, you know, foreground stuff, background stuff. I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. I'm just kind of, okay, what's going to be happening? Who, who do I have mic'd up? Who can I follow? Who do I need to be in between the two? Uh, Cause we usually have two microphones out at one time so that I can easily pivot to whoever is saying, Oh, this is, you know, Daisy's on point. Okay. Well, let me get over there. Um, it's just kind of listening to that stuff and, and then moving to that. Um, at least that's initially how, how I, I go about. And then, um, like even my last hunt, I did not feel comfortable till the last hunt of the day about having enough footage for really? the show. Yeah. And now I'm editing it and it's kind of funny cause I'm like, Oh, I don't know what I was so worried about, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had enough, but, um, yeah, it just, uh, I, I was like, no, let's let I'm gonna film this last hunt. Let's go do it. Um, I need I, I feel like I need more footage. So, Aaron, well, Pete, that that never really goes away, and that's just part of <laughs> part of being a professional is like not settling, not being oh we're good, mm-hmm. yeah that's enough, we're good. I, I never, Bill and I have been, you know, filming the show together for almost 20 years, and uh, we joke every time that he gives me a hard time about, no, I don't, I don't know. I think, I don't think I got, I don't think I did very good. And he gets back and logs. He's like, yeah, it's great. And vice versa. He's like, I don't know. We, do we have enough? Do we have a story here? And we get back and it, it always turns out well, but you're never really satisfied. Yeah. But yeah. You just go in, you try to get, you know, call it the meat and potatoes, right? You got to get the birds flying first. That's most important. And yeah. And once you start collecting that, then you can start collecting all the, 
all the gravy on top, the mm-hmm. scenics, the other stuff that blends in while the really, really tight shots of dogs running and slow motion video and all that stuff. Yeah, the but, capabilities we have now, it's yeah. just, oh, it's yeah. upped it so much to really oh, yeah. visually paint those pictures. Yeah. Have you ever had a hunt that you went on that you came back and you're like, we don't have a show? Um, only one. <laughs> <laughs> we... Um, I don't want to give too many details because I don't want someone to feel bad, but uh, we went out to do a specific feature on this dog, and we were told some great things about this dog. And we got out there, and this dog was it, – it just didn't live up to the – so the story was supposed to be about this dog who yeah. had overcome some adversities. Okay. And uh, we went and filmed it, and there – weren't really any birds but also this dog i just kind of felt bad for it like i don't think it was enjoying itself um and it had it it hadn't it i mean it was still out there great for the dog i'm happy for the dog but it wasn't really hunting it was just kind of out there so that was one that we did not do anything with it didn't find its way onto the air well on that same dog topic do you have a dog in all those years that stand out to you as like oh my gosh when i think of Think back, like, is there a particular bird dog that stands out to you for any reason? Um, well, I don't, it's hard for me to remember, but I know George Lyle's dogs, yeah, kick butt, and uh, Dan Bailey in Montana, he had some oh, yeah, I kick butt those. dogs. And when you're out with these people, right, you oftentimes with new people, you hunt for a day kind of start to learn which dogs you can trust, you know, Mm -hmm. because some like, especially with pointing dogs or even flushing dogs, you can read them. You start to read them and you start to understand, can I trust that dog? Um, can I not? That's such some a great dogs, way to yeah. put it. It is. <laughs> some no, dogs it would be is. a point, 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 nothing. Putting butterflies, yeah. mice, everything. Yeah. Garbage yeah. bags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, George Lyle's dogs you can trust and Dan Bailey's dogs you can always trust. And I've hunted with a lot of good dogs and a few really bad dogs. <laughs> but uh, those stand out for sure. It's like I'm just sticking with those dogs because I can trust them. Yeah. Troy, any dogs that stand out to you in your short career out there? Uh, shooter. Simon Tika has a golden. Yeah. Beautiful dog. And she's just the best thing ever. She's like, she's my buddy. She was, she was the one, like one of the only dogs that was, you know, trained enough to kind of be inside our, our quarters when we were in Montana. And, you know, she was just a love, love bug, but also just such a beautiful and a well-trained dog. And she just, I remember in Montana, she had, uh, she was in the middle of a retrieve and then another bird went down and she tried to go and, and retrieve the second bird at the same time. And I'm just like, see, <laughs> she's a vacuum we're, out there. we're on the same like wavelength. We're both trying to, you know, just really, really up the, up the game here and, and do our best. And, and yeah. yeah, but you no, know, I was going to say with, you know, what you were talking about earlier, like we, like, it's important to know what the story is. You know, it's like, okay, yes, there's a hunt and we're going to go get some birds, but there's always like, a character or two or a dog or a location mm-hmm. or something like that, that we know yeah. going into it, like, okay, the story is kind of going to be, the show's kind of going to be around this person or this element of it. And then other than that, you just got to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. On, on that, an episode going completely wrong, Kyle, who's not in here today, we could do it. You know, I'd love to have had him in, in this conversation too, but we showed up to do a horseback hunt and, we made it 20 yards and he was on a horseback and the camera broke from the horse, you know, 
trotting a little bit and it just bounced and then just, and then we had to like rebuild it. And we ended up somehow getting it to work and we continued on the hunt and it was brutally tough. Like the birds were just doing everything they could to stay hundreds of yards away. And he had a hard time getting in position. Horses move a whole lot faster than Kyle walks. And it was just like this struggle. And we finally, finally had success one evening and we come back and I go to put the episode together and we cannot find the footage somehow in the process of transferring everything over, which we back up three times now. Um, and we still did then. I don't know if you remember this one, Aaron, but the media was just gone, just gone. So in my years of, of producing the show, it's the only time I've ever been in a field before where we didn't air um, a story that we went well, out to In get. fact, and because of that, that's how I went out on my first uh flush episode with Scott and Rob and then we got a blizzard <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, yes. on our way to Kansas uh, <laughs> we got a, stuck. do you have a secret stash of bloopers anywhere that I don't know about uh I don't but I am oh, definitely really. so this last hunt all I kept hearing was Millie no Millie's uh, here, Millie, here. So I am going to be putting together a little <laughs> montage of that, of just because that's all I heard on the last hunt. Millie, Millie, still, you know, she she's a pop. she's Scott a pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I'm going to be to putting together that. Yeah. Nice. Uh, let's see here. Uh, gosh, we've been fine already. Are we close to an hour already, Brandon? Okay. Well, wow. um, let's see. Are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the questions. You might want to go on a shoot before you uh, <laughs> yeah, volunteer to be hired. Hold on. That's the thing is you show up on these shoots and we're usually with people who we haven't, most of the time haven't, um, you know, gone hunting with before. And mm -hmm. at the beginning of the shoot, that's like, you got the coolest job yeah. in the world. And, and oh my gosh, I would just love to do that. How long have you been doing this? And all they're asking a million questions. And then by day three at the end of it, they're like, I would never want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what you do. And it's, it's crazy how it's just like, but they see it just, and you're, you're running and hustling and it's just never a comfortable moment. Usually you're just trying to, you know, a lot of times you're cold and, and the, the, the one part of my body that I can't cover is my, you know, my right hand, my left hand, that's the, you know, lens hand and mm. button presser. And so it's, it's funny how that, that shift happens. You know, I've seen it or it's happened a million times to me. Yeah. Um, how often do you stop or slow the hunt to get the right shot in the right moment? Or do you, do you keep hunting full send and let the camera crew figure out how to keep up on their own? Um, <laughs> no, it, it kind of goes to what we said. If, if, if the camera doesn't see it, it doesn't happen. So yeah. the, the hunt, does get slowed down uh, immensely if, immensely if yeah. we are not able to keep up. Um, and generally because of, as we've said, the camera gear, the batteries, the backpack, we just, we can't move as fast as everybody else. And so, yeah, generally the hunts are, are slowed up. And I feel like the ones that I'm on when I'm working with the cameraman in the field that we're constantly staying in contact or I'll look back and I'll be like, guys, hold up. We need to let Troy catch up or, Whatever, because he's well, it's, filming it's communication else. Out, yeah. even out in the field is, you know, um, mm. it's, hey, I'm going to go. I, I need to get around to the side here, guys. Hold up while I do that. And then when you see me, yes, you can start moving again, you know, stuff like that. But we're not we're not setting things up necessarily. No. Typically, as we're shooting, sometimes you just got to stop, plant your feet and get a shot. And then you hustle up to the group, stop, plant mm -hmm. your feet, get a couple shots. Yeah. But that's sometimes like ninety percent of the show yeah. is like me just stopping, getting yeah. good shots, then run up, Catch stop, up. 
Yeah, because you see it happening, and yeah. you're like, you got to stop and, and film it. You can't go back. But guys, right. I need you to walk up the mountain again. Right. So we, uh, so the only times we slow it down or stop is, you know, Travis or one of the producers saying, all right, hold up, guys. Let the cameraman catch up. And that's it. And then yeah. once we're caught up, we're like, all right, good to go. Yeah. But then also in my mind, I'm like, okay, they just ran. Yeah, right. You know, up a steep cliff or whatever like i need to also not only they're caught up now but give them a chance to yeah, catch their breath catch a little breath, bit yeah. too so that slows everything down at the beginning of the hunt like we just need to f set the stage i mean there's uh, people want to hunt at nine they're like yeah let's meet there at like i don't know 8 50 or something i'm like no let's meet there at 7 50 like give us an hour yeah. to get everything going get you guys comfortable get the dogs just try to try to Control as much as we can't control, if that makes sense. Um, let's see, where is your favorite? Well, I can't. I think we kind of touched on that. What is your favorite type of bird to film? Well, I can say after it's the pheasants because after my first first one in, in quail, I, I mean, I could barely see the suckers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then my second hunt was was a pheasant. I was like. Oh, these look like giants. Yes, <laughs> and can. so it was so much easier for me to get footage of them. I was just like, but they do. It's just interesting too, just because uh, of how tight the pheasants will hold. And there have been uh, every hunt just about, it's like you guys will have walked past. I'm coming from behind and I still flush one yeah. or two and hunt and it still also it also scares me because <laughs> all of a sudden you just it's right there in your ear and you're just like whoa you know so but I'd say pheasants at the moment just because they're so much bigger yeah I I think pheasants too just because they're big and they're loud and they're colorful and they make for good shots sharpies are pretty fun just because the locations they're in is a little more interesting topography and I can tell you my least favorite is probably grouse and woodcock because oh, gosh. Just bushwhacking through northern Minnesota is, you know, your headphones are getting ripped off. Yep. The mic receivers are getting ripped off. You're getting poked in the eye by a stick. <laughs> I had a stick go up my nose one time. So <laughs> I remember every time I would do those grouse and woodcock, and I look back, I'm like, did you get it? Uh, and everyone's like, I don't know. I mean, I was pointed in the right direction. But like uh, most grouse hunters, they, they count the flushes they hear. Yeah, you know, like right. they don't even see, like right. you expect a cameraman to find that bird in that quarter of a second that they have to see it. I mean, you have done a lot. Bill loves grouse hunting and you have tagged along with him on a lot and made some incredible grouse and woodcock episodes happen where you can actually see yeah. the birds. And it's I'm always lot, impressed. It's a lot of work for sure. Yeah. Troy, you got a favorite? What's the one that uh, Bill went to Florida to shoot this season? Snipe. Snipe is my favorite one to hunt. No, I've never ever um, filmed them, but but I, it's a goal of mine to somehow get to get some sweet snipe footage. Some snipe hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see here. Maybe we wrap it up with uh, the funniest mistake that you've made while filming. Drones get crashed. Uh, <laughs> interviewed the wrong person. Ask group of bird hunters if they're dog or cat people. Uh, these are just some of the ideas that he had in that. Does anybody have any funny mistakes? I know, again, to pick on Kyle, but he was flying alongside me one time. We we're just doing a walk uh, just to get like a cutaway of the landscape type thing. And this drone ended up right up in this tree that I was on top of the side hill and he was like flying right alongside me, but he couldn't see the tree based on the direction. So he's climbed more than one tree to retrieve a he drone. He has. Uh, we were... <laughs> 
It wasn't a flush episode, but it was in Colorado. We had to climb a tree to, to retrieve a, a drone that he crashed into it. And yeah. It was up there about 15 feet. So, yeah, it was, it was high. Yeah. Uh, on this show, I haven't, I've been lucky aside from, I guess, falling and, yeah, you know, like I said, having the camera kind of explode <laughs> all these pieces out. Uh, drone's been okay. Because the nice thing with the flush is generally, yeah. Uh, it's open, yeah. <laughs> even and fairly if, flat, and fairly yeah. flat. And even if you're in the in in a mountain, it, you can kind of get around stuff. Um, other shows, yes, I've crashed the drone, but it has been a number of years, so knock on wood here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, falling down drone crashes. I think one of the biggest mistakes we had was our one time in Calgary. Our rental car was like a Dodge Charger. And uh, we got stuck a few times. So uh, renting a sedan on a flush episode is a mistake for sure. The best off-road vehicle is a rental vehicle. Try? I don't. I'm trying to think. You just nail everything all the time, don't you? I'm pretty good at what I do. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) No, I've also crashed a drone, but not on the show. I mean, technically I didn't crash it. We don't know what happened to it. It just disappeared. Um, but we think it's in the bottom of the river up north and no, that's, that's kind of the extent of it. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, aside from not hitting record fast enough, that might be yeah. about the only, yeah. you I know. mean, you, you do the double tap sometimes. And, oh and yeah. There just, is that. You know, it's occasionally just... you, you don't realize that you were already recording something and then you tap the, the record button again. I did blow a shot like that one time where I was, I was real close, like right, like less than two feet away from a hunter. And it was right over his shoulder. And this bird just popped up right above us. And I like in my viewfinder had the most amazing shot. Cause you just see the line of sight from his gun. And then he just, you know, nails it and, uh, you see him take aim in the shot, but then, uh, it just, there's nothing it's after out. that because I, I double tapped and, and was not recording. So it's not a mistake. It but, happens. Yeah. It happens. That's why we spend a lot of time out in the field. Somebody asks, how much time does it take? It takes, uh, a, long time. a lot. We are out there. Everyone that, uh, we film with for the most part, when we leave, they're like, I didn't realize how much effort goes into it. 95% of the time. Sometimes, like you said, Aaron, it, it, you get to sit on a swing and, you know, figure out what to do next. But once every 20 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> once every 20 years. That's right. We're always out there trying to make it the best that we possibly can. And for you guys, I always say thank you because um, you're willing to go on a boat, go on an airplane, climb a mountain, and follow us into some pretty wild places. I'll ask, I've got two more questions. Um <clears throat> We produce other TV shows, and Aaron, I know you did uh, Monster Quest, so you probably have the wildest experiences of video production at our company. Outside of The Flush, what is your most memorable filming experience since you've been at this company? Or scariest, or worst, or best, or however you want to describe it, but something, somewhere, and a place that you got to go? Uh... I mean, it's so hard because, I mean, one of our other shows that does traveling, we travel just about all over the country for that one. And so, I mean, for me, part of it was going back to Oregon. Um, I didn't realize that there were dunes in Oregon, and I had lived there for 12 years. So to find out that that existed down south and just off the coast, yeah. like the beach is right there, there's uh, these dunes. Uh, there's that, 
that was pretty cool. And uh, it was just fun, fun to do. Yeah. Aaron? Um, two that are long stories, but I'll try to make them quick. One, uh, when we were filming Monster Quest, me and a producer, Jared, were in Indonesia, uh, camped in the jungle on the top of a dormant volcano. Well, not dormant, but extinct volcano. I don't know. A non-active volcano anymore, sure. but we were camped by a lake, which was the old crater of a volcano. And there was a 8.2, 8.4 earthquake on the last day of filming. While oh. you were there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. We were supposed to leave the next morning and this, and it shook like you wouldn't believe. So that was, that could be a whole podcast in itself. Yeah. And then, uh, I was lucky enough to go to Africa with a, uh, uh, combat wounded Marine, uh, with his family and to see him uh, go and shoot the animal that he was excited to shoot and see the family joyous together after a lot of hardship was very memorable. Yeah, I think, you know, the stories that we've told in over 25 years here outside of the flush, I mean, this is, we're talking bird hunting now because that's this podcast, but we could, I mean, you've been on, uh, we do have the Minnesota Bound podcast as well, and we go in depth on on those kind of stories too, but our company has always, since I've been here and since Ron started it, has always been about stories. And, you know, we're fortunate that we get to go out and see these amazing places, you know, around the world. Yeah. You've been all over the world, yeah. Aaron. Um, but, you know, for North America, mostly for our bird hunting stuff, but just the people always stand out to me. The places, you know, and then, you know, the birds are, are always the reason we go, but there's always so much more. And anybody that goes on a hunt can relate to that, or I would imagine they, they can relate to that. Troy, anything that you just are like, gosh, I was that one was my favorite place. You know what's nuts is I, you know, didn't do a lot of traveling for work before I came here a couple of years ago, and now we do it all the time. And that's mm -hmm. my favorite part is just getting to go see all these places. And it's not like you're going to, uh, you know, big travel destinations. We might fly into those cities, but we're going out into the sticks. You know, we're, we're going to, you know, just, you know, you fly into a spot and then you, then you drive three, three and a half hours, you know, wherever. And I don't know, the one that comes up right away that I think about was actually a, a shoot that Pete and I did when we went to Washington. Yeah. We oh, the overlanding? We flew into Spokane and mm -hmm. we, we did a, a three-day overlanding trip on side-by-sides uh, and ATVs and, and just, you know, in the Cascades and it was yeah. just gorgeous. And, you know, it, it's crazy because we were, you know, camping and we, we just, we were also shooting and then we had to shoot, you know, some camp set up and cooking and everything, but we were with a great group of people. And then just, again, every which way you looked, it was absolutely beautiful. And I'm like, how am I here right now doing this? And then, yeah. We well, were, I'll, I'll end it on this with te technology being so easily accessible to everybody, our cameras, you know, people can go grab a DSLR and easily make their own YouTube channel or whatever it might be. <clears throat> what advice do you have for somebody that would, you know, maybe want to take it a step further to try to get into this career that you guys are in, that we're in? Um, but even if it's not to get into this career, to, to capture those moments, Troy, I know you do a lot of photography uh, as well as videography, um, but like with the cameras and the to videotape like what advice would you have for somebody that just wants to be able to really capture those moments and and keep them uh there's a quote 
from a, a Macklemore song, actually. And it's, it's, uh, it's the greats aren't great because they could paint. The greats are great because they paint a lot. And it's, you know, just the whole thing is, you know, it, it's experience. You know, you have to yeah. go and make mistakes and you have to go fail and you have to do like same thing with anything. But, but, you know, if you're, if you're trying to, I don't know, I always like, again, this is our, our full-time gig and it's also a big passion of mine, but you know, just, uh, in my free time, I, I go and I look up kind of like weird techniques, you know, or, or, or something that's a little bit, you know, not mainstream as far as like just shooting and editing, you know, like I'll, I'll make cinema graphs, which are kind of like a, a bridge between a, phot a photograph and, and video and just, you know, uh, light painting with uh long exposures and, and that kind of stuff so i that's the other thing is just trying to find something that you're super interested in and then just go and do it a whole lot yeah good uh i would say don't get too caught up with the the technology and the you don't have to buy a really expensive camera and really expensive lenses and a bunch of gear you just got to put yourself in the right spot so get out there um get up close you know zoom with your feet not with your lens and uh just get out there yeah pete um yeah it's uh <laughs> i was not expecting a question like that but uh yeah it i i kind of i have to agree with everything they've been saying uh, um you know in fact one of the first things i did when, when i became a photographer my chief photographer sat me down and i just edited other people's footage oh and that way it was a way to see before I went out and sh shot, what do you need for a story? Um, wide, medium, tight, wide, medium, tight is, is generally the rule. And uh, yes, you can make cuts wide, 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 but it needs to, there needs to be a reason for it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's sitting there looking at stuff um, and just, yeah, as Troy said, the more you do it, the better you're going to get. Um, same thing and, and oh audio though makes a huge difference on stories um i just edited together a, a story for for minnesota bound uh so different show but the sounds it was a maple syrup story and just the audio we captured while he was collecting the syrup from the bags and pouring, it brings you there when you're watching it does and yeah. so having clean clear audio and again you don't need to spend thousands of dollars you can probably just pick up a microphone for, for a little cheaper but getting that microphone placed in places where you want that crisp clean audio just is such a help uh, in helping to tell a story it's half the experience right yeah 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 there's three levels right it's you know when we're putting it together you what you see the uh the visuals you know and then the narration and then also what's happening out there in the field that you're trying to capture the gnat sounds the natural, natural sounds, sounds yeah. yep yep well you guys do it very well and you put up with me and scott <laughs> and bill and ron uh one of the questions that i didn't ask you that i'll just answer right off right on because i already know the answer is who's the most difficult one that you don't want to go on a shoot with and i know it's me because i'm always wanting to climb a mountain <laughs> <laughs> on a horse, on a horse. <laughs> yes. we need to go on a boat first we got to get a plane to get to that to boat. boat and then we got to take the boat out to an island and then the island is miserable and yeah. nobody wants to be on the island that's there's a reason nobody lives on the island but we're going to go traverse it and uh so i know that 
I apologize when you get when I look at the calendar and I say Mike Troy. He's like, I'm well, going with you, huh? But you raised your hand for Colorado. I absolutely did. I was I was stoked to do that, and I will do it again. I thought yesterday when you asked me about the the podcast, I'm like, okay, fine, yeah, I'll climb another mountain with you. Let's let's <laughs> let's, let's do it, you know, because as as much as you know those weeks kind of you know and when you know you have a flush shoot coming up, as much as you kind of like, okay, I gotta. I got to get, get ready for this because it's going to be, you know, and then when it's done, you're just like, Aaron's you're, laughing over here. when it's <laughs> done, you're just, you're done and you don't want to shoot it for another while and everything like that. But then, yeah. you know, this right here talking about, you know, some of those trips and some of those moments and those experiences are, are you know, that's, mm-hmm. I have nothing but fond memories. So cool. That's the difference. Well, thank you guys all for all the efforts you put in and Brandon as always for listening and recording our conversation and uh, bringing this to you all each week. Um, it's a pleasure to work with you guys, honestly. I'm, I mean that, and I'm hopeful that we can uh, keep doing this for many more years. So Again, Florida, snipe. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's as long as it takes now. place it's in January. We need, the next, we need the next thing that I'll we have. I'll go to Arizona then. That's fine. Let's go. Let's uh, go. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, all right. We're going to wrap this one up, Brandon. I'm Travis Frank reminding you to take the time to introduce someone new to the field.